Welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so that you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I had tried different diets, countless exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that thrives on you not really getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love, play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business all while feeling great. To give you a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to get the top 10 world-class nutrition tips from the experts that have been on the show, and you will see what simple health can be. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 60. In today's show, I interview nutritionist and fellow podcaster, Ben Coomber. Be sure to stick around for the end of the show to learn what Ben most loves about nature, the two people in history he would most like to have met, and why you should appreciate every day that you live. Alrighty guys, on the line today I have Ben Coomber to bring another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast. And Ben, first question that I ask everybody who comes on the show Tell us about your health journey in 10 sentences or less. In 10 sentences or less. You got uh, it. So I used to be obese. Now I'm not. Uh, the result of going from obese to fit inspired me to uh, teach others about health and fitness. I then had to go on a massive health journey. That health journey inspired me even more to become a voice within fitness. Uh, and now um, I do cool stuff like have the UK's number one health and fitness podcast as well as other cool educational stuff. What was the biggest thing you learned upon that journey? What, in terms of my health? It could be health related. It could be just something that really struck a chord with you even. I think the, the health of your body and mind is just everything. It affects everything. And I think on a, as you age... On a less superficial level, you start to realize that your health and vitality affects like your career, your productiveness, your relationships, whether you lash out at people or you're nice at people because you're, you know, you're thinking clearly. Um, ultimately, all that stuff is more important than like fitness and fitness goals and aesthetics, that kind of stuff. And I think it actually takes everyone a while to mature into that mindset. That, that makes a lot of sense because I think it's one of those not everybody's quite ready for that to happen in their lives. Uh, and we have to be ready for it. If we're not willing to accept it, that, that maturity aspect, it's never going to happen. True. I also think that you know when you're young, you want to chase the superficial things because that's what seems important. And then when I start to get to like 25, 26, 27, I started to go, actually, my family are cool. Now, I do want to spend time with my family. My career is important. And I just sometimes I don't think there's a shortcut to go through that process. I think everyone needs to fail. Everyone needs to realize. Everyone needs to screw up a little bit. You know, we, I can help people shortcut it a little bit. 
but there's going to be individual failing. So talking about those things that are important to you then now, what are, what are some of your top values in life or what do you make sure like, okay, every day I make time for these things because they are really that important to me? Every day I make time for my girlfriend and my dog, who are the two, you know, initially most important things in my life. I then make time for my family, so make sure that, you know, every week I'm communicating with them, um, that I'm in touch with what's going on in their lives. Uh, and then my staff, I have quite a few staff these days, so I have to take care of them, I have to understand them, I have to be there for them. Um, and then on a selfish level, I make sure that my interests are taken care of before I start to help other people with theirs. Um, which a lot of people are very bad at, but I'm very good at being selfish because I've realised that if I'm selfish, it allows me to help other people. Um, and you just, yeah, you've got to be selfish. Like, there's no point getting 10, 20 years into your life and you get there and think, "Fuck, when did when did I do stuff for me?" Like, <laughs> you know. No, and that's that's a very important thing, and I, I like how you're talking. Like, but you still realise that being selfish allows you to help take care of others because. You don't, if you're not putting yourself first, you're never going to be able to take care of them anyway. So talking about being able to help others, though, you talk about your staff. Um, but even like I know you have the Body Type Nutrition Academy right now. And that's something I'm interested. Like what is your, I guess, approach maybe with yourself or within the academy as far as nutrition goes for people? Nutrition for me is something that provides a better life. It doesn't provide abs, it doesn't provide muscles and that kind of stuff. It can do that, but the reason why we chase health and fitness and I talk about it is because it's an extension of living an awesome life. Like To live an awesome life, I have to eat the right food, go to bed on time, train intelligently, um, have balance, all that kind of stuff. And nutrition creates that environment. It doesn't happen the other way around. So in our teaching systems, we teach health first. Like You're not allowed to you know, get a client to diet aggressively before they understand food, they understand the impact on the body, that they're healthy, that they sleep well, that they understand training periodization and stuff, because otherwise there's just no longevity in that process. Um, it's just it's just another fix. Um, so for us, everything comes from a grounding in health. I think that's a great way to start going about it, rather than you see a lot of people whether want to jump in with, uh, a cleanse or a crazy diet to kind of charge themselves, like get themselves on track. But I, I like the approach that you use with that, where you said, no, you, you can't do any of that if you don't already have that foundation that there's basically like that base of nutrition or just base for health in general to move forward from that. It's also ethical. You know, I have, I want to be an ethical practitioner. And if I promote something like a six week ad plan or whatever, that, that's got a time frame. I'm going to have to reinvent myself again and reinvent myself again after that. Whereas if I have this set of principles, this founding um, mantra, then all I do is just build myself. I help more and more people. I keep building. I help more and more people. And I have to never reinvent myself. I stay true to my core. I stay true to my values. And I think that also helps people sleep at night. <laughs> it's it certainly does uh now i've listened to your show uh a bunch then too and recently you had a podcast come out uh like your confessions right mm. and by the time this airs i mean there might be more of them out i think you said you were going to do two or three of them but is is that something you've seen like as a maturity with yourself like 
with your business, with your health life? Uh, where did where did that kind of spark from? Because I think you really did dive deep into there, and I think people really appreciate seeing that from somebody who has gone through uh, so much on their health journey. I did. I've had a, a mega amount of positive feedback on the Confessions podcast. Um, I did it because I've made mistakes that I wouldn't say I'm not not proud of. It's just that I want people to understand what process I went through to make those mistakes, why I've come to a different conclusion, and why I want to change my stance. Because like I'm, I'm now building myself to a greater degree in fitness. I'm you know, some might describe a fitness personality, whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of people that follow my work and integrity and honesty and having values are important to me. And if I have to take my career forward and keep stepping back by people saying, but you used to say this and you used to say that and, but oh, you used to promote this. So I, I almost wanted to give myself a chance to wipe the slate clean to say this is what's happened, this is what I've changed, this is what you should now believe in, and this is where I'm coming from. Um, so it was a chance for me to step off on the right foot and know that nothing in the future is going to rear its ugly head. It's like it's like you having making a mistake in your college years, and a, a reporter writes an article about it, and it just sits online. And every now and again, it just rears its ugly head, and people are like, "Yeah, but do you remember these days?" <laughs> it was kind of a way for me to say, "Look, I've done it. I've changed. I've evolved, and also." I'm an educator and I'm helping, you know, other practitioners refine their trade and I need to instill that in them that they should be big enough to say I've made a mistake, I've failed, I'm putting my hand up, but this is how I've changed and evolved. That's that's pretty awesome. Uh and in light of especially right now in in the US where uh on the the, the presidential candidates and everything, uh all the stuff coming out about them. I mean, but it's a similar thing like you said you're going to just have these things that you've done in your life. So what? You, you've learned from it. You've moved on and you've learned from it. That's, I still think, the biggest thing. Like You're, you're willing to uh, admit, hey, I didn't do everything perfect. I'm not going to do everything perfectly in the future. But you want to share uh, as much as you can with people going forward so that they can even learn from those mistakes that you've made. I think modern media has had a hand in creating this problem because modern media – is really good at creating perfection in any area of life, the body, the career, the mind, whatever. Um, so we aspire to this kind of perfection. And then when this anti-perfection comes about, it's like you get penalized for it. So everyone's trying to be perfect. And when they're not perfect, they get penalized for them. And mate, your mates take the piss out of you down the pub. Something happens. Your boss is on your ass or whatever. But, you know, we need to get society... In terms of society, we need to get to a point where we embrace our imperfections, that every one of us has it. There's not anyone in the world that doesn't have an imperfection, a flaw, a weakness, anything like that. Like, you know, if we draw comparisons of the most successful people on the planet, you look at Steve Jobs. Well, when he passed away, everyone kept saying how bad a manager he was, how bad a boss he was. Everyone says how dyslexic Richard Branson is all these kind of people all these people have massive imperfections and all they've done is said well fuck that I don't care about that I'm going to focus on what I'm really good at and I'm going to make myself really really good at it and I'm going to just embrace my imperfections and shrug my shoulders because ultimately if you don't have that approach you're you're just going to limit how much progress you can make in your life by focusing on stuff that's not perfect 
I'm a very self-aware individual. I know what my flaws are, what my weaknesses are, and I just I just don't chew the fat over it. I'm like, great, whatever. If it's a problem, I'll surround myself with people that can help me with that and plug in the, up that imperfection. Like in my business, I'm crap with numbers, so I make sure I have an accountant that's actually there <laughs> regularly because I can't count. So it's just like that, you know, I might be crap at being accountable to myself. So I, I, I know that I might need a personal trainer. Um, if As long as we're self-aware, we can get around problems. So then speaking of these other great individuals, um, you said that, that each of them has something they're really good at. What is it that you are just world-class at, top of your game, uh, that really stand out upon? Probably two things. I'm a very creative individual. So I might be a nutritionist, but I would say I'm, I'm, I'm an artist in that I like to create, I like to shape, I like to change. Everything that I've done in the fitness industry is about shifting and creating a different way to think. So I'm just an artist working in a different different media form. And then I think I understand people quite well. Um, I understand what motivates people um, it allows me to kind of provide things that they actually care about. Like I've written books in a very basic fashion that people care about. I wrote a nutrition guide called the Nutrition Blueprint. It's only 38 pages, but it's everything you need in 38 pages to build a diet and kind of get your life on track nutritionally. Um, so I think creativity and an understanding of people and human emotion. Are there any emotions? Are there any of those, I uh, even talk about like being able to motivate people. Are, are there ones that you see where are, are very commonly come up, especially when it comes to health and making a change to health? Like, are there common motivators that people have? Uh, are there common emotions that come up that maybe cause resistance when people are looking to make those health changes? I think a lot of emotions that many have is a lack of self confidence. So they've, they've had their confidence beaten out of them by their environment and, you know, their work, work home, family, that kind of stuff. Um, they've got very low self-worth. So they don't believe that they should have success or a good body or be happy. But ultimately, everyone deserves that. Like, no one should not be able to think that they don't deserve this. Um, and then probably self-limiting beliefs like, oh, I can't do it because they might have failed in the past. But, you know, I've failed a crap ton of stuff, like loads, both with my body, uh, financially, with my work, with people that I've worked with. And the best the best situation is, is I learn, I pick myself up and I carry on. Um, and that's all you can really do. It sounds silly. Like, how do you pick yourself up again? But you just... You just get on with it. There's no other option. You either go into a hole and you beat yourself up about it or you dust off your shoulders, admit your mistakes and you move on. So I think those are the most common uh, emotions uh, with a lot of people. And then maybe combined with that is people feel that they don't have willpower. And a lot of the time, a lack of willpower is just most people try and do too much. They just bite off more than they can chew. They're trying to be too perfect and the more you try and do, the less willpower you have because your willpower is split between several different things. So if you want to lose weight, just focus on maybe eating more fruit and vegetables and eating less. And then just focus on that maybe for a month. And your willpower to do that 
might be able to do that. But if you try and do that alongside going to the gym four days a week and then going to bed earlier and then not eating something that you love and then trying to do something else and then trying to get your kid to piano recital because you know they've been going on that they want to do that, your willpower is then limited because willpower um, takes decision-making energy. And we only have so many decision-making energies in a day. Like I know when I go into um, a management meeting within my business, after about three or four hours, like I'm spent. I've made so many decisions on something that I'm like, right, TMO, let's go play table tennis or something. Um, so, and it's the same with other people. So I think you just got to be aware that none of us are perfect. And while I might have trained myself to do a lot of things at the same time, it's because I've trained myself and because I've become knowledgeable and it requires less willpower because I know how and why. I love that because two things that you said there, doing less basically all at once. You see, we see that especially January 1st rolls around for most people and it's, I'm going to eat better. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to sleep. You see all these things come up rather than just, all right, focus on one of those things, get it down perfect and move on. Uh, and I, I think that's, that's an awesome thing to really, like you say, you're not trying to have everybody change everything at once. How about this? What is the most recent uh, health change you've made for yourself? Uh, I cut out gluten in my diet for about the fourth time. So I've gone back and forth on the kind of gluten thing. Gluten was very much something that gave me like IBS when I was younger. I used to just get distended abs, like I'd get bloated and stuff. Um, it also made me not be able to concentrate very well. So I took it out for a long time, did a lot of gut work, brought gluten back in and didn't really notice any problems at all. Didn't notice anything adverse. And then over time, I started to develop a little bit of um, kind of mental fog. I thought it was because I was working a bit, kind of needed a bit of a break. I was coming up to a big product um, project delivery, so I needed to kind of work. And I kind of just thought it was that. And then I went on holiday. It kind of stayed there, came back from holiday, kind of stayed there. I was getting it in the afternoons. There was no real pattern. So I went to a practitioner again and I said, look, test me for a load of stuff again because I want to see if there's anything dietary related here. And he tested gluten. He brought it up. He said, look, I think gluten's a problem. And I said, look, it's been a problem in the past. You're probably right. Cut it out again. And within about four days, I had just on the button clear um, thoughts again. Um, so the gluten problem was there, but it was just on such a small level that I just hadn't noticed. And because that kind of slight feeling of mental fatigue had just really crept in over time, like a small headache, you kind of don't notice it. Like being dehydrated, you don't notice it till you're like, oh God, I really need a drink. Um, so that's the biggest health change I've made recently. And then probably second to that, I've kind of reinvested myself back into my vegetable intake in the... Um, I got really busy, so I started to get companies to prep and deliver my food. So they'd prepare it, coming in like a Tupperware box, and I'd just like, you know, bang it in the microwave or the oven. And it was great, but it, it definitely lacked vegetable content from what I was used to eating. And I wasn't really happy with that. So I've taken my nutrition back in my own hands. I'm better planned. I batch cooked more intelligently. I've created a bit more time in my lifestyle and now I'm just eating so many more vegetables. Like for breakfast this morning, I had a whole bag of rocket, um, I had a whole punnet of strawberries and an apple and just so many veggies and I just I, I just definitely feel loads better for it, just getting massive amounts of micronutrition. 
so when you talk about taking your time basically back uh, time for your lifestyle, what is maybe what is your maybe morning routine, night routine, or do you have like a daily even ritual where you just kind of have everything chunked throughout the day? Yeah, definitely. Um, the day routine is really important for me. So if I'm a lot of my time, I'm just working from home. So if I'm not traveling, I'll get up around five, maybe half five, six at the latest. I just wake up when my body wakes me up. Um, if I've got a lot of work on, my body wakes me up naturally earlier. It seems to know that there's a lot on. My body's brilliant at that. I'll get up, I'll go downstairs, I'll put the kettle on, I'll make a, a jug of decaf uh, black coffee, I'll have a little play with my dog, make sure he's all right, uh, have a quick wrestle and stuff. And then I'll go upstairs, um, I'll foam roll my back quickly, and then um, I visualize my goals, what I'm trying to achieve over the next three years. I kind of conjure up that emotion of what I'm going to sit down and do for that day and why I'm going to do it. And then I go over my daily routine, so the jobs that I've got to do in my day and make sure that the jobs that I've got to do kind of build into my bigger picture. So I force myself to be critical and if, if there's something on my to-do list and I'm like, why am I actually doing that? It's not benefiting me or it's not benefiting the company or my staff or something, then I just knock it on the head, I get rid of it, I will sit down and have like a two-hour work block where... I'm just focusing on the, the most important task of the day. It's usually like a writing task. It's maybe I'm writing a bit of my book or a blog or I need to get my head around a project. So I'll do like a two-hour block. I'll then go downstairs and I'll cook breakfast, maybe cook kind of lunch and dinner along with that so I make sure I'm getting enough kind of food and I'm not in the kitchen all the time. While I'm doing that, I might do the washing up, a couple of chores, and I might turn on my phone and check that there's no kind of like key messages from my staff or anyone that I need to contact for that day. And then I go back upstairs and I turn my phone off. I have another hour's work block um, where I'm going back into a writing task or something. And then after about, uh, yeah, so about 10.30 a.m., I then break and I'll take the dog for a walk. So I've already been working for like a good four, maybe five hours by then. I'll take the dog for a walk. Um, I'll make any important phone calls if I need to, or I'll just have it as time out. And then I'll come back, and the rest of the day tends to be more variable. So I'll be answering emails, talking to staff, doing a bit of marketing, talking to students, interacting on our forums, doing like the kind of day-to-day -day kind of um, just sort of general work. Um, and then I'll quite often go to the gym or rugby training in the afternoon. If I've got a lot on, I'll keep working till like five or six o'clock at night. If not, I'll sort of clock off at three or four, go to the gym, cook dinner with my girlfriend in the evening, go out to the cinema, something like that. So that's roughly how my day looks a lot of the time. Uh, and then on Monday is the only day of the week where I work late. So I might do a Skype with someone. I'll do a Q&A on Facebook. I'm often talking on our education platform on a Monday night. Um, yeah. So now, if, Ben, if you have 15 minutes of free time, what, what are we going to find you doing? Um, quite often walking. Love just walking my dog. Yeah. Um, I quite often have to do chores, you know, around the house, like wash up, do that kind of stuff. I don't often have like, you know, my time is, I so tightly pack my time that I never have like quarter of an hour. Mm -hmm. So my work day is quite often my work day. You know, I'm sitting down to eat or maybe walk the dog. And then I obviously make a decision that at some point in the day, I'm going to clock off. And then I'll go and do something like go to the gym, go see my family, 
go meet someone. So it's rare that I have like just random 15 minutes. If I do, it might be that I go online and that I, I then serve that up as free time to be on social media. So I might, you know, send a couple of tweets, interact on Facebook, that kind of stuff. Cause I don't sort of go on social media that much cause it's very distracting. Um, I also might just chill and listen to an audio book or I might read a couple of pages of the newspaper, but it's not that rare. I have small blocks of time because I, I'm very di- diligent with what I do in my day. So you talk about, again, going out on walks, like I can appreciate that. It's something I love to do. What is something or what do, what do you think is the most beautiful part of nature? Probably just the silence. You know, it's just so nice and quiet. It just feels so natural. I always feel I'm connected to something bigger than just myself. It also feels very like natural and old. Like it feels like I could be living a thousand years ago almost. Um, I think that's what I love about nature. And then, then just the feeling of fresh air, breathing in fresh air, feeling it on your skin. It's so much nicer than being in a, in a house. Like as soon as the weather's all right, I'll quite often work in my garden on a little sort of standing desk that I make. Um, or sitting on a beanbag. It's just so much nicer than being in a house, which is always just a little bit stuffy. So you talk about even that feeling of a thousand years ago. Who is somebody in history that you would most like to have met? Do you know, I've never thought about this. Maybe probably Einstein. I'd love to have just seen how nuts the guy was and how he thought and kind of how he <laughs> created and just to see almost his madness, maybe. But I don't know. It's it's not something I've ever really thought about. I didn't really like history at school. Uh, when I was at school, you had to choose between history and geography. When after you were like 12 or 13, I always chose geography because I like nature. So, uh, yeah, it's probably because I don't know a lot about history, if I'm honest. Or maybe, maybe you've met Steve Jobs because he's a bit of a creative genius. All right. Well, you bring up Einstein. And one of the things that I'll ask people once in a while is specific thing from him. Is the universe friendly? I think deep down it is, but I think on the surface it isn't because I think so much of the problems that we have in society is that we just don't have enough perceived time in our day to do stuff. We're always running around after our job, our kids, our chores, our everything. And it's just the only time we sit and think about stuff and be present is when we're sitting in front of TV and then we're not with our own thoughts. Someone else is in control of our thoughts. And we just rush around our day being so unaware of so much. And I think if we were just aware and appreciative of more, we'd get so much more out of just even our day-to-day lives. I think that's awesome. Uh, just that sitting down, thinking, just relaxing, but with nothing else distracting us, like you said, with the TV or whatever it might be. So if you're if you're just sitting down and thinking, I mean, like what is maybe the most important question to ask yourself or what is something that just keeps you up at night when you're just thinking about things? The only thing that used to keep me up at night is sort of negativity that I might have in my environment, which I think most people would agree with. So, you know, be it someone in my position, um, I, you know, often get people sort of, you know, bad mouthing me online and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes that used to keep me up at night. And then I learned that, you know, why should I entertain their thoughts? Why should I care about them? Like, I'm not going to change their opinion. I don't actually care about their opinion. So I stopped caring about that. Um, you know, the, the kind of the well-being of the people around me, like friends, family and my staff, 
you know, if there was a problem, it would keep me up at night. But these days, I've trained my brain to, you know, there's there's always tomorrow. Is a is a fan is a big is a fan saying I'm a big fan of. Um, you know, I'm not going to achieve anything by worrying about it. Being in bed, get my sleep, wake up the next day, and attack it with a fresh head. Um, so very very rarely is there something that keeps me up at night these days. I like that. There's always tomorrow. So I, I want to talk about then even the future. Maybe what then would be your vision for a healthy future in 10 years and a hundred years, but both for yourself, maybe for your family and even for the planet. Sorry, repeat that again. Okay. So you talked again, like always tomorrow, you can always do something. So going into the future here, what is your vision for a healthy future? Uh, again, both for yourself uh, and those around you, but also for the planet, where do you see health going like 10 years, a hundred years down the road? I think for health, we need to we need to truly appreciate the impact that food and sleep and exercise has on it. I think we need to find a way to inspire people to actually value their health because there's a huge amount of people that don't value it and what it can what it can bring. Like the reason why I'm in the health and fitness industry is because of my journey. Like I saw how effective it was to be healthy, to be slim, to be happy, to be energized and the impact that that had on my life. So, you know, and that's why I I teach other people this kind of stuff. So I think people have to truly understand that. And then in the future, I think we're going to have to be more aware of how we optimize our work-life balance because the working environment for a lot of people just seems to get busier and busier and busier and you know companies and you know even you know my company is an example we're, we're well aware of work life balance like you know we have kind of fairly strict working time so if you're working from 8 in the morning to 4 in the afternoon then then that's when you work too like if we have a, a hardcore project on and it needs to be done then great we might have a couple of nights where we work a bit harder but everyone understands that there's an important work life balance because to work effectively you need balance um, you know, many people reward themselves with a holiday for working hard. No, you take a holiday to set yourself up to work effectively. So I think those two things in the future is something that people are going to have to evolve and appreciate as our work um, kind of and career landscape evolves because more people are working from home, more people are working from the internet, more people are working in offices, and we need to be aware of how to get balance with that change in working environment. Is the work-life balance, is that your, I guess, maybe biggest struggle to balance out or do you have another thing that you have to really work on balancing? Yeah, I think I constantly have to work on it. Like, I'm really passionate about what I do, so I could easily work from five in the morning till nine o'clock at night on what I'm doing because I'm that fired up about it. So, you know, a lot of the time I don't see my work as work. I see Mm -hmm. it as kind of my passion and my mission. I've started to not appreciate it as much recently purely because I'm doing a lot of writing stuff and actually just being in a room with a laptop after a while despite how passionate you are about it can get a bit boring (laughs) Um, that's just the harsh reality of it um but I'm nearly out of that but you know I, I do have to double check myself I do have to say right if I'm committing to stopping work at four because I started at six then I'm going to stop work at four um and that's where I need to reprogram my thought process in that you know as a someone that owns a business, there's always stuff to do. You know, I could keep myself busy 24 hours a day for years. There's always going to be stuff to do, but 
that's not the biggest thing in life. The biggest thing in life is being happy and enjoying it. And my work is just part of that. So yeah, I do have to double check myself, but I just um, prioritize things. I schedule my time effectively and I'm honest with myself about what is actually really important. So you said their biggest thing in life or one of the biggest things in life is about being happy. What is your definition of happiness? I think simply just appreciating every day that you live. Like, you know, when you wake up in the morning, being excited about what you're about to do. When you go to bed at the end of the day, being able to go, yeah, I had a really good day. I enjoyed that. I had some great moments. I was productive in work. I made a difference. Um, and, you know, and along for the ride, that has, you know, things that you enjoy doing involved in it. So I enjoy sport. So that makes me happy. But ultimately, if you can get up and go to bed with a smile on your face and go, do you know what, I've done well, that was a good day, then that has, it's got to be a, a fairly simple definition of happiness. I, I love that. Just getting up and going to bed with a smile on the face, uh, <laughs> that just makes me smile right there. Because I agree, if you can just do what you love and just something gets you up in the morning, still happy going to bed at night, like that's that's an awesome way to live. Yeah. Ben, couple last questions to ask you here. I know we've got a uh, short period of time that we can talk here and I want to make the most of it. So what is something people can do right now to simplify their health that they are overcomplicating? Most people overcomplicate nutrition. You know, it starts with eating real food in a set of portions that either enables you to maintain your weight, lose your weight or gain weight, whatever your goal is. You need to eat tons of fruits and vegetables to be healthy. You need protein at all key meals. And, and that's kind of it. That's like nutrition in a nutshell. But people want to overcomplicate it. They want to package it into some special diet and into special kind of you know meal plans or whatever. But you know people can get so much mileage from drinking enough fluids, going to bed on time and getting enough sleep, exercising a couple of times a week, eating loads of fruits and vegetables with adequate protein intake. Um, and, you know, that's like 60, 70, 80% of the battle right there. So what's your favorite meal then? Do you know, I'm, it sounds silly, but I'm a, a massive fan of a huge, really colorful salad of some description. Purely because really? I just, um, and I'm probably saying this because it's, it's coming into summertime and I'm, I'm feeling like I want to eat like lighter, fresher foods. Yeah. I just love the feeling of eating tons of vegetables. It just makes me feel good. In the winter, that's probably different. I love really hearty, heavy meals like um, cottage or shepherd's pie, like stews, chilies, that kind of stuff. But I just love fresh food. Like I love a barbecue, love being able to you know, stick a bit of steak and a couple of sausages and then have loads of veggies and maybe some couscous or a bit of bread with it or something just lovely sounds delicious and i agree with you like coming up on summertime now i'm just ready for all the all the different vegetables to be coming up and just be able to go pick them right out of the garden mm. so ben a couple last questions uh one of the things i ask everybody who would you want to hear on this podcast and what would you want to ask them or hear them talk about I don't know. That is tough because I've I've got my, obviously my own podcast, and after being 186 episodes in, I've I've spoke to a lot of people that I've wanted to interview myself. What would I want to ask people? I'm a big fan of some of the perspectives of Martin Rooney, who owns a company called Training for Warriors, who trains a lot of personal trainers and does a lot of motivational speaking, and I really like some of his um, perspectives on like firing yourself up and 
kind of mindset and change and focusing on the real simple things in life. So probably him. And what what is maybe what is something you think that he's going to really talk about when when it gets to mindset when it's something like that? What is his biggest thing? Do you in in your opinion? What do you, what do you think? What do you take away from him? Just to chase what you're passionate about. And if you're not passionate about it, then change your direction. Find out what you're passionate about and, and attack it with a ferocity that, you know, puts a smile on your face and uh, enables you to really enjoy it. There you go. Coming back to that smile on the face. I love it. Uh, ben, finally, where can, where can listeners find more about you? Where can they go to learn about like everything that you're writing about, your, your podcast, the, the Body Time Nutrition Academy, so on and so forth? Sure. So uh, I'm Ben Coomber. Surname is C-O-O-M-B-E-R. If you Google that, you'll find me uh, on the interweb, bencoomber.com. You'll find me on Twitter. Facebook is the main place I hang out, my Facebook fan page. I'm also on Instagram. Um, I'm not on Snapchat so I'm not cool enough. Um, <laughs> my podcast on iTunes, that's the number one uh, health and fitness podcast in the UK. It's called Ben Coomber Radio. And then uh, Body Type Nutrition is the place that you can find out about our online um, nutrition education program. It's called the Body Type Nutrition Academy. But yeah, if you Google me, you will find an awful lot of stuff. I've spent years doing videos, blogs, writing, podcasts. So there's an absolute boatload of free information out there. Ben, in closing, is there anything that I can do or the listeners can do to, to just help you out in any way? Maybe just share one or two of my inspirational video pieces. Like I've, um, at, at the time of recording this podcast, a, a day later, which will be the 22nd of April, we're releasing a big free project on kids' nutrition. So I've done a, an inspirational video piece on the state of kids' nutrition today and how we should potentially be feeding our kids and stuff. And it's attached to a free ebook which is very comprehensive and it just helps parents realize how they can um, instill better strategies to feed their kids better. So maybe just help me out by sharing that video, sharing the message and letting such a good free resource get out into the into the internet. Right on, Ben. I'll make sure to do that. I hope listeners go check that out as well because, hey, helping the youth, teaching them how to eat, just how to be healthy overall, that's just going to make the world a better place. So Again, Ben, thank you so much for your time. Everybody, make sure go check all Ben's stuff out. Awesome podcast, awesome videos. Uh, ben, thank you again. Nick, you're welcome, dude. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to head over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to get your top 10 world-class nutrition tips from the experts to help you simplify your health journey. While you're there, go to my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Also, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health Podcast a positive comment and a 5-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others.